Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Carly. And I'm Izzy. We find answers to all your dog questions so you can get the most out of life with a dog. Hey, everyone. We're just going to kind of jump straight into it um, with a little bit of a life update. Uh, Carly, how is quarantine? You know, it's a lot of inside. Um, For those of you who don't know my situation, we... About what, four months ago now, moved back from London to Seattle. And so we are kind of in temporary housing with my in laws who have graciously hosted us. Um, So we're living with them during quarantine. And internet's a bit sparse. It's it's kind of being passed around. We've got, <laughs> I don't know if internet can be sparse. I don't know if that's the right wording for that. But it's um, it's a little patchy sometimes. And Izzy and I have had to kind of pivot with the whole audio recording kind of stuff. So we'll see how our audio is with our first few episodes here. But overall, you know, quarantine's not bad. The weather's been pretty good lately in Seattle. So that's nice. Lupin is, Lupin, my dog, is kind of being a butthead. He's a hound dog, so he really likes to smell different things every day. So he does not enjoy going on the same walks. So like the same loop around the neighborhood. And there's really so many loops we can do, kind of like where we're living right now. And so he's <laughs> he's just... It's really hard to basically, I'm just like driving like for, you know, a half mile away to just walk into a different neighborhood to walk him. And of course, it's, you know, it's still quarantine. So we're trying to make sure that we're not in a busy area or anywhere that we're going to run into people or anything like that. So that's been a little rough. I think he's quite annoyed actually with us being home because we're home all day. So now he's getting more attention than usual in and in a way that he doesn't enjoy, it's not like he's getting more treats and stuff. He's getting more ear cleans and teeth brushes and baths and <laughs> all of that. So <laughs> he's, I don't know, he's, I think he's not happy. He's just like, this is my time that I sleep for eight hours, guys. Why are you here? Why Why are you in my space, like having meetings, talking to me, kicking me off the couch and bothering me? I think he is like the only dog who feels that way right now. I know. All I do is see all these memes online and everyone's like, oh, all the dogs are so spoiled. Everyone is home for them. And Loopy, I know he loves me deep down inside. I know he does, but <laughs> but he's not one of those dogs that is constantly wanting attention at all. He's quite like aloof and he he's quite independent. Isn't he's he? independent. He's he's this distinguished old older gentleman, you know, in his old age, he just wants what he wants. And it's not to have his teeth brushed, even though he needs it because he has stinky breath. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. um, And then yeah, the the dog park is closed, which is really annoying, which is why we're having to go on all these walks and everything. But I understand, you know, that's just, that's the deal with this COVID-19 quarantine situation. You know, it is safer for everyone for the dog park and a lot of the local parks and stuff to be closed. So it makes sense. Um, But Lupin is not happy about it. Yeah. uh, Arthur is also not happy for that same reason. Yeah. We've worked, we've worked really hard with him over the past like six months, just on his socializing skills. Um, He's a herder through and through. So um, just getting him to not be a dick (laughs) is really hard and I feel like we've worked so so hard to a point where we are able to go to the dog park most of the time if it's not super busy and he actually does all right now the dog park is closed we can't reinforce that good behavior um so I'm just uh, dreading the day that they reopen to be honest well, that leads us perfectly into our episode today, our interview with Chrissy Joy. She was honestly just such a delight to speak with. She was so well-spoken, gave really, really great info and resources um, for all you dog parents out there that are in quarantine, just to make sure your dog is still stimulated mentally as well as physically. She also gave some really great tips on how to make sure your dog is okay for when you do eventually return to the non-quarantine lifestyle. So I really, really enjoyed the episode all around. Yeah, I totally agree. She was uh, an absolute joy to speak to. I think I said that in the interview as well. But I just, she was a joy to speak to and it just so happens to be her last name. (laughs) Izzy, with the jokes, with the puns, on that note. Just the one. Just the one pun. (laughs) Repeatedly (laughs) one pun. But she was such a delight. 
to talk to. Yes. How about that? There she was go. such a delight to talk to. Yeah. Um, I also can't wait to watch her dog's movie on Wednesday. Yes, her dog is very well trained. She's trained him to become a movie star. So um, he is now has a movie coming out on April 15th called Agent Toby Box. There we go. It is a G-rated movie for children, obviously. If any of you are old enough to remember Agent Cody Banks, that movie with Frankie Muniz and Hilary Duff, I think it's, uh, I think it's like kind of similar to that, oh, but I didn't even dogified. That. Yes. So yeah, as soon as I heard the title, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like Frankie <laughs> Muniz. I wonder what he's up to now. Um, all right. So on that note, we will jump into the episode. When COVID is over, we're going to see a huge influx of of issues um, between people who have just got dogs now because that's crazy. Uh, everyone, mm-hmm. Everyone's getting dogs now, but also the separation anxiety element of it and going back to your normal schedule. Interesting. We were just speaking about that, like the dog trainers mm-hmm. or the dog training community is going to be so overwhelmed after this is all over because all these dogs are going to be like, ah. Yeah, it's so funny too. I like I didn't even think about that. I mean, I don't think Lupin's gonna have any anxiety with us gone because he he's already like, why are you here? <laughs> You're like, he's like, this is my sofa and my like, this is my time to sleep. Yes. Why are you yes. constantly bothering me? Yes. <laughs> but but yeah, like I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. Like, so many dogs are gonna have this change. So to kick this thing off. Um, if you could just kind of tell the listeners and, um, and us, you know, kind of just your background, you know, who you are, where you're from, all that. So my name is Chrissy Joy and I am a professional dog trainer. I'm also the 2018 national stunt dog champion, as well as a studio canine trainer for film, TV, and commercials. And uh, another fun tidbit is that I am also a live performer. So I like to do lots of live performances with my dogs. Awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> Interesting. And it didn't so, start out that way. It, it definitely didn't start out that way. <laughs> how'd you start out? So I actually started out as a Screen Actors Guild actress in New York City. Um, this is before SAG and AFTRA, the two acting unions actually merged. So this is like many years ago, I'd say back like 2010. And so I started out doing a lot of acting for lots of movies and TV, but also at the same time, I was absolutely head over heels in a passion of horses and training. So I went to college for equine studies and, um, and care and, and, you know, business management. So horses was my focus and I was acting and I just didn't know how to merge the two worlds. My ultimate dream since I was a little girl was how do I work animals on set? I want, that's what I want to do. I'm like nine years old watching the credits on, you know, your children, (laughs) animal movies, because I am destined to learn how did those animals get on set? Who provided them? Who brought them? Et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and, you know, at the time, the internet, like, wasn't really a hot commodity. So I really didn't know where to go to even learn more about it. But then fast forward to today, I was able to uh, merge both worlds together when I adopted Beasley and pretty much fell into dog training that way because I had now my own dog and um, and sidestepped over to dog training uh, right around uh, 2014. And this was well after 2009, there was a pretty heavy recession. I don't know if any, anyone remembers that. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah. It was, it was a little rough and that's actually when I graduated. So it was a bad time to work with horses. You know, the recreational sport of horses was really plummeting and mm. I had to do lots of different odd jobs to kind of get myself ahead, which kind of took me away from working with horses but then in 2014, I adopted Beasley and that kind of re-inspired my love for training animals. So what did you see in Beasley that like, did, was there some kind of like, oh my goodness, this dog is, he's ready for the, he's like a show dog. That's a great question. I, I wish I had a really cool story, but I'm going to tell you probably the most millennial story you're going to hear. And that is... I saw his picture on Pet Finder and I fell in love with him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so with, with that being said, though, I, I have to 
also make it clear that at the time when I was rescuing him, I actually was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety. So my point of rescuing him was to just get a dog in my life. So I had something to focus on. Um, you know, you have to understand at this point, I wasn't making much money. I didn't have a great job. I was doing, I was working at Lowe's and like places that I would never want to work at. It's not fueling my passion or my life. And I was dealing with a lot of stuff personally, mentally. So getting a dog, I was like, I just want a hiking buddy. Like, okay, great. He's a lab collie mix. Cool. We can do some training, but he'll be great to hike with. And that, that'll be wonderful. So that's yeah. all I wanted. I, I found Beasley from a rescue through Petfinder. Um, he was one of 14 puppies that was delivered and um, kind of left in a garage. And so, you know, I saw him, I fell in love and absolutely zero expectation to be doing what we do today. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. I think a lot of people can kind of relate to that, um, you know, going through a lot personally, especially during this time of uncertainty. Um, obviously, a lot of people have just got out and got dogs, uh, maybe for that reason. So um, I think a lot of people can relate to what you went through and that kind of turnaround. Yeah, for sure. So since you had him as a puppy, were you, did you start like all of that kind of extra training from the beginning or did you purely do obedience training and then kind of the the showmanship aspect came later in his life or how did that so work? I, so I waited till he was old enough to have enough vaccines on board and then I started him at the local training facility. So he was probably around three months old. And just like anybody who gets a dog, you're just like, well, I just want to make sure I'm starting him right. I don't want him jumping on people. You know, I'd like to be able to walk him on a loose leash, you know, just the basics. Um, and I, and I needed a brush up on that. I had never had formal dog training. I, I did, I was like, okay, well I can teach him some little things because just a natural knack of training. But I was like, I really need to like learn a, a foundation. So I went to this local dog training facility and Beasley just, Beasley and I really thrived. And to the point where they he actually came up to me and said, Hey, um, you know, would you be willing to intern with us? We think you'd be an excellent trainer. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that, but that sounds cool because I'm really loving this, this, um, you know, community feeling. I love the training world. I'm enjoying the dog training. Um, it's, it's, I'm feeling better, you know, overall about my anxiety, my depression, and I'm kind of feeling I belong here. And so, um, Beasley and I became a part of that facility as far as like intern to now, I'm one of the head trainers there. So with that being said, it opened my eyes to different areas of training at that facility. And one of the areas was trick training. And I just thought that that was fascinating. And it opened up a whole different world of working with your dog. And, and so I decided, wow, you could do trick training. And then on top of that, there's a program called Do More With Your Dog. I don't know if you've heard of it, but there are titles that you can achieve with your dog for trick training. So you can do them right from home. And it's like your couch to 5K. So it starts out with the simplest of tricks and you can earn a novice trick title. And it goes all the way up to champion trick dog. Well, I just thought, I mean, how cool is that to get titles for your dog for doing things that you're both enjoying? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's interactive and fun for them. And, it's a whole, and you're yeah taking part in, in yes, their and life. There's thousands of people that do this and there's groups on Facebook and everyone supports each other. It was just such a great opening to working with your dog that I'd never known. So I went full force and he became the first champion trick dog at our facility, uh, which is exciting. Yeah. And Shortly after that, we heard about the national stunt dog uh, competition out in Purina Farms held by the same organization that did do more with your dog tricks. So I immediately had my ears perk up to that because I thought, wow, we were here already. What's stopping us from maybe doing something bigger? Um, and also to add to that, just for you guys, because I know we've talked forever, but the stunt dog championship, the final round is a performance you need to develop with your dog that includes tricks. And it has to be a performance that tells a story. And so I don't know about you, but I've always felt that I want to leave like a, a larger imprint of myself in this world. Like it's not so much about, wow, look at me, I'm first place, but mm -hmm. it's more of an opportunity to reach a large audience and to spread a message. So uh, I decided to make that performance based on anti-bullying and self-esteem 
and also, you know, dealing with mental health and how everybody has, um, their own struggles, but how a dog loves you unconditionally is also how you should treat others. So I decided, you know, early on, I said, wow, if I can do this stunt dog competition, what a fantastic way to have a really fun performance and also reach a wide audience and try to make an impact. I started to have this feeling of maybe Beasley and I can start to make an impact. How do you convey the anti-bullying like sentiment and storyline and everything through tricks, like through a show? I haven't seen one before. So that's why I'm just like, how do you do that? I'd be really interested to see that video right? too. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. It was I mean, I, I worked on the performance for over a year and it took me a long time to say, okay, Beasley and I have these skills. And the first thing I did was write down, what can we do? And then I started to build a skit out of that. So what I decided to do was to portray myself. So I wore a gigantic blue onesie and I have the video link for you guys. It's really funny. I portrayed a sad person. Now, I didn't make it clear if I was a teen or if I was older or who knows what, but I portrayed a sad person person, someone who had been bullied, right? Because we Mm -hmm. see it all the time. And then from there, what I had Beasley do is Beasley would try to do things to make me laugh. So I would, let's see, I would try to go water the plant. And instead of, I would ask Beasley for help and he would go over and do a fake pee on the plant to water, (laughs) you know, and little things like that. So one of the things we did is I was crying. So Beasley fetches the tissue for me and then he throws the tissue away in a, in a step can, trash can. So, you know, it's little things the dog is doing in my day of my skit to make me feel better, right? He goes to a medicine cabinet, gets me medicine, um, clo- open the door, closes the door, gets me medicine, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he's doing all these little things throughout my day to make me feel better while the whole time I'm really sad and depressed, but I'm, th- but I'm starting to feel like these little things my dog does for me that I'm not noticing right off the bat, I actually start to notice and turn around that emotion. So what we do is there's a moment in the skit where we go to sleep. So we we say our prayers, he rolls himself up in a blanket and we go to bed. Then he runs across the stage and hits this contraption that raises a flag and the flag has a sun on it. So now we're introducing the very next day, Mm -hmm. morning. And I wake up and I feel better and my dog has helped me feel better. He has helped me throughout my day. He loves me for who I am, no matter what color, shape, size, orientation, interests I have. He loves me for who I am. So I take off the blue onesie and I have a beautiful yellow dress underneath. And we end the skit with lots of dance moves and fun, very high energy um, kind of dance-like moves to finish out the skit. <laughs> I'm like I'm imagining it all in my mind right now and I yeah. think it sounds so cool <laughs> and I think that is um that it is why a lot of people get a dog and you know I can relate to that I mean Arthur as much as he's a little turd sometimes he does do things you know every day that kind of go oh you know you're not that bad I guess I guess you are my one and only <laughs> you're the acute little bottom <laughs> And also I feel that, um, you know, a lot of people lose, lose sight of that in the crazy world that we live in the quick gratification always need to be on top or climbing to the next thing. And I think we forget to just take a moment. And especially when we're feeling down, you can always go home and you always know that your dog is just so happy to see you and doesn't care what mental state you're in or what, what kind of day you've Mm had. They just want to be with you and they love you for who you are. And I think that's a really important message that we can remember for ourselves how we treat other people or how we choose to look at a situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think we have a lot to learn from our little puppy dogs and I think it is very easy to lose sight of kind of what's important in the world and what's important to you. And, um, you know, having those grounding moments is sometimes very difficult to have, but definitely just having a dog and coming home and being like, okay, this is going to be like my moment where I, you know, have 10 minutes where I just play with my dog or, you know, we just cuddle on the couch or, you know, whatever it is, um, just helps you bring you back down to earth a little bit, reevaluate, reflect, all that kind of stuff. And then I have a question, which is, I'm sure everyone is thinking it, but for me personally, I think Arthur is the cutest dog in the whole world. He has the cutest little butt, cutest little face. 
And I think he could be a famous dog. How does one go about making the dog famous? Okay. So that is something that I really had a passion for. And so I've started with uh, Beasley when he started getting a little older, I just reached out to animal talent agencies because what I did is I went to my human talent agencies and I said, where you go when you need a dog. And so they said, well, I reach out to these places. Well, so that helped me with getting involved with other animal talent agencies. Now, um, a lot of people say my dog is so cute and I think it'd be great for this and that, which is I, which I'm all about. And I always say, that's wonderful. Your dog has a great look. Um, or cat, horse, or goat. I mean, man, we work with all sorts of animals. But some things your dogs will need to know are some of the very basics. So we need to have basic obedience. But in addition to that, we need it from a six to eight foot distance. And we need them to be able to do it with distractions around them. So a set is a very busy place. And so your dog will need to work about six to eight feet away from you on set. Now that is just for your very, very basic moves on set. So sitting, standing, laying down, be able to, you know, maybe possibly go to a mark. Um, These are all moves that your dog will need to know to be successful. So you can't be two feet away. Your butt would be in front of the camera. (laughs) So, (laughs) so that's one of the first things I ask. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, we were really great in the kitchen. And I say, that's great. But if you can send me a video of you doing it in a busy park or doing it outside or a new place, uh, that's what I want to see. I want to see that your dog can go to a new place and still successfully work for you. Um, and that includes some off leash work as well. So a lot of people will say, okay, well, we're not quite ready. I say, that's fine. Why don't you, a couple things here. We offer workshops, which are going online, which is exciting through BFF Pet Services. So feel free to check them out because we're going to be doing lots of online workshops where you can come in and learn some of these very necessary moves straight from your home and work on them so you're ready when the industry comes back on top. But I would say that getting involved with the training is number one. Number two, I run something called the Bonafide Talent Group. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And with that group, what it is, is we are not an agency, but we are a... Uh, so a resource to the animal talent agents. So we take dogs all over the world and we develop a really strong roster of handlers and dogs. And then when an agency is seeking a dog for a casting call, they can come to us and we say, great, I've got five corgis. Um, here they are. And they will maybe ask for some video and then they will pick from there. And then They like that because we kind of make sure the dogs follow a certain evaluation of skill level. So that's a really neat resource to join us if you're interested and sending us kind of evaluation videos or stuff we've been working on. We love that. And then we can easily sign you up to our roster as well. Perfect. That sounds great. I mean, definitely Arthur, he's still a work in progress. He's great inside. He's like that dog who's like, I'll do whatever you want as long as I'm inside. And then he sees a duck outside and it's all out the window. (laughs) And now I'll be honest with you. We have some dogs that are just a more exotic breed and that may be perfect. And all they ever have to do is sit or stand in a print shoot and that's it. But because they're the breed that they are, Um, they will get picked over and over for certain projects because they don't need the dog to necessarily do anything or necessarily be off leash, but because of the dog's look or the dog's breed, like an Afghan, let's throw in there, they will be picked because they're hard to find. So if you do have a unique type of dog, definitely let us know and we can try to hook you up with certain agencies or put you on our roster because sometimes we just don't have access to them. And what would you say those um, more exotic breeds are? Like you said, like Afghan, Hound maybe. Um, What other ones are you kind of looking for at this time? I would say um, dogs who are really stable-minded and can like work with another actor because that's an important factor too is like, can your dog stand with another actor and not be like, oh my God, where's mom? Oh my God, where's mom? Like you don't want that behavior. But some of the breeds that we would like that are stable-minded or Afghan, um, Afghans are great, Newfoundlands, um, Irish wolfhounds, Basenjis are hard to find. Uh, Oh, here's another one. If you have a breed in the U.S. that typically has docked tails or, or cropped ears, 
if you have that breed that is not docked or cropped, a lot of times we will do work with um, European companies and I'm sure you're familiar with it, but they don't want cropped or docked ears and tails. Mm -hmm. So a big challenge is finding a cocker spaniel with a tail. So sometimes having that available, although you may not work a ton, would put you in the running for a job when we can't seem to find that Doberman with a mm-hmm. tail or ears. This is just such a fascinating industry to me. I'm just like yeah. soaking all of this in. <laughs> this is so cool. It's very different. Um, and on top of that, I love to push trick training. I say the more your dog can do, the better. Um, Beasley's movie is coming out this week. I'm just about to which ask you about that. Yes. Movie. I wish yeah. I knew all my coworkers the trailer. And I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I just put a video of John Lovitz recording his voice for Beasley on my Instagram, which is the good Beasley or the Chrissy Joy. But also, um, Yes, it's coming out this week. And if you want to see a dog doing tricks and stunts for a movie, this is your movie to go watch. It's family friendly. You should be able to live stream it from home. Unfortunately, Lionsgate was unable to do the theatrical release, but you should be able to just watch it from home, which is such a plus. And is this going to be, um, is this going to be available on like Amazon Prime or like what avenues can people watch it? I'm almost positive and I need to double check, but I believe it's like Amazon Prime, Netflix, or on demand. I think it's going to be live stream everywhere. Perfect. So that's the goal. I will get you more information. I'm sure you could share with your listeners. But, uh, you know, as far as diving into some of the skills you're going to see, um, Beasley did everything from typing on a keyboard to moving a mouse to um, riding, uh, jumping out of a moving vehicle, which, which you have to, uh, take with a grain of salt because there's a lot of safety protocol that occurs around something like that. But some of the things that Beasley was able to pull off in this film was incredible. We filmed for an entire month and he was the only dog for that role. So Beasley had to handle all of the workload on a month of filming that filmed overnight, every night. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What you just said about the safety with the car and everything there's been a lot of stuff in the media, you know, throughout the years of, oh, the animals on set aren't treated right and things like that. How do you feel having, you know, your own dog in a movie and everything? Did you feel like everything was was safe and, and were you able to be there to ensure that it was? Or are there certain practices that are in place that make sure that the animals are kind of safe throughout filming? Yes. So... I'm really happy to get this question because I think if you look back 50 years ago, I definitely believe there was some protocol that probably should not have happened for the treatment of animals or lack of um, resources to protect them. Nowadays, you will almost always have a humane association um, representative on set. So that person is there to ensure that the dog or animals are getting enough rest, getting enough water, getting enough shelter if needed or breaks or however they are there to make, to ensure the quality of the care of the animal is, is in place at all times. This also includes the safety. So if the humane rep sees that something is happening, so let's say that I was like, sure, go 30 miles down the street and let them jump out. No big deal. So the humane rep would probably stand up and say, yeah, that's not okay. However, I can, I'm very proud to say that I am, I'm so grateful to be a representative to the animal on set because our, our concern is always the dog safety first or the animal safety first. So most of the time we kind of raise our hand and say, nope, not comfortable with that. And then the humane rep usually backs us up. Um, but to be honest now, you must think, okay, well, what kind of production would ever ask a dog to do that? And that sounds terrible. They don't care about the animal. That's not true. A lot of times productions just don't know dogs. So they may not understand that a dog is not going to be comfortable going up that slick staircase. Maybe they just don't understand that the dog could slip and they, they're not seeing it that way. So they they come to us very open and saying, okay, we're trying to get this shot. This is ideally what we'd like to happen. And then we have to come up and say, that is not safe for the dog, but let's try this, this, and this. We try to never say absolutely not. We try to, we try to still come to a reasonable terms, but 
uh, there are several instances where we have to adjust how things are done so that it's in best interest for the production and also the, especially the animal. Um, so you have a humane rep on, on set and sometimes, you know, they're there and sometimes like they're a ninja in the night, like you have no idea they're around. And, uh, sometimes that's, that's for the better because I think people need to constantly be aware of what they're doing all the time, whether there's a rep there or not. Um, and so just, just to add on something there, the production I worked on, I mean, I, they were so, they were so fantastic about making sure Beasley was safe. If I noticed a couple pieces of like, we, we shot some like alleys cause it's supposed to be like a spy dog. Right. And there'd be, of course, some little pieces of glass on the ground. And I would just step up and be like, I'm really, really not comfortable with this. Like, I don't want him walking across this ground. If he gets injured, everybody's in trouble. And they would like have a team of like five or seven guys, like sweeping and picking up every last little piece they could find and ensuring the place was safe before Beasley ever had to put a foot down. And, um, I mean, they just, they just did everything in their power, but you also have to be a voice for them because they have so much going on. It's not that they don't care. It's that they just don't see it. And so if you, you have to be an advocate for the animal and point out something that otherwise they're like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, it's definitely, I think unfair to be like, Hey, it's not your job to work with animals, but yet I expect you to know absolutely everything and like think about all the moving parts and not trust the handler with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it is like an open conversation, as you were saying, like everyone has their role to play and you as a dog handler, like it is part of your role to say, hey, like this is what we need to make it work. And then it's like the director or the producer's job to be like, okay, this is how we can make that work. So it's definitely um, definitely good to hear that they were really open and kind of came to you and said, this is what ideally we want. How can we make that work? Or what kind of compromises do we need to come to to be able to make it safe? And I think that the more you communicate with them, the better. I think they almost get a relief instead of just guessing. If you come up to them and they say, and you say, I know the scene you want. If I'm just letting you know my dog has maybe five takes of that, and then he's going to get tired. So for example, Beasley had a fake pee in an upcoming episode of The Good Fight, which will be on in the next couple weeks. And um, he did a great job, but you have to, I, I was like, listen, his that leg is going to exhaust. You're not going to get 20 takes of him fake peeing on something. You're going to get like five good takes, and then he's going to start petering off. And just being being vocal will help them determine what they need to do to get the shot and also protect your dog from being overused or overworked or creating a negative environment where now you don't have a dog that comes on set ready to thrive. Definitely. And has, has Beasley ever had an injury uh, either that happened on set or just like at home or anything like that? Um, he has, uh, no physical injuries, but he does deal with inflammatory bowel disease. So that is a big, big, uh, management on my end to make sure that he is going to be okay with the stress of travel, working on set, et cetera, et cetera. Um, like we have the, the big rule when we get on set, nobody feed him anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't even, don't even get drops. If something falls, please pick it up, you know, like, cause he'll get one bite of something wrong and he is bloody vomit and diarrhea and it's really bad. So, so inflammatory biology is with, um, with him is always a big concern, but no, we've had knock on wood, no major injuries. And let me tell you this movie he did for agent Toby Barks. Um, some of the stuff he pulled off, we were very safe about, thank goodness. But, you know, we had to be very, very careful because there could be, um, an injury sustained if we weren't so on top of it. Um, because he did all of, they actually let the puppeteer go. And generally the puppeteer is the one that does all of those really advanced moves of the dog. It kind of fakes it. And they let him go because Beasley was able to do everything himself. But with doing it himself, we just had to be very careful. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool. Well, it sounds like that was a really good experience all around for you and Beasley then. Ultimate dog trainer dream. <laughs> usually your dog, usually your dog's hired to be a dog in front of a camera. This time my dog was hired to be a spy trick stunt dog in front of a camera. So it's it's the dog trainer's dream. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's so awesome. 
Um, to switch topics, we spoke with our community and a lot of people are very nervous. You know, right now is kind of the, the height of the coronavirus. Everyone's isolating and quarantining, which means that a lot of people are home with their dogs. And um, so they have more time to maybe do some, whether it's obedience training or something more of like those trick training, you know, aspects that you were talking about. People also, I think, are a little bit nervous about their dogs not getting as much exercise. I know personally, that's my issue is because our local dog park is closed now. So that hasn't been great because Lupin is now just going on walks after walking. He does not enjoy it. Uh, He's like, I want to go run around off leash, you know, with other dogs. So do you have any tips for people, one, to kind of entertain their dogs, and then two, if they do want to start working on more training in the home during this time? Yes, I do. And I have a few things that I'm going to list for everyone and that hopefully we can maybe add them into the show notes so they'd be able to go there. First of all, I would love to push do more with your dog.com. That is where you can watch videos and join Facebook groups and there the community is fantastic and it's all about teaching your dog tricks from home where you can submit videos and even earn titles right from the comfort of your home. So that is where Beasley and I got started and I love the program. It's a great couch. It's a couch to 5k kind of program. If you've never trained your dog all the way to doing some really elaborate fun tricks. If that's uh, of interest to you, if you have a dog who's nervous or has lots of energy, that is a great outlet for them. A second thing that I love to do is if you're like, okay, I'm still working from home. Um, so my dog is staring at me every opportunity he gets or she gets, what can I do? I love two ways here. I just learned a lot about dog TV and I'm not sure if you know about it. Yeah, I know. I've seen it. We want to interview them at some point because it's just like, that's such a cool idea. Absolutely. And so, um, I know them fairly well through a friend, Amber, that you're actually in talks with. And so dog TV does really cool content on television catered to your pet. So certain colors are used, certain sounds are used that actually are made to stimulate your pet and get their attention and, and kind of give them some, some, uh, entertainment right from the home. And also it's supposed to be very calming and very, um, inviting. So I think that's a cool Avenue. And then my sponsor, I'm going <laughs> to plug here because I love them, Kong. And if you know about Kong, <laughs> they have, the biggest abundance of puzzle toys. And if you follow my Instagram or Facebook, you will see that we did post a video. I think it was just last week about all the different Kong puzzle toys that you can buy and have your dog interact with. This also includes some in the video at home puzzles that you can make for your dog with just some stuff that you have around the house. And that's a really great way to physically and mentally stimulate your dog. That's going to be much more gratifying than a walk around the park. I, I, it it uses their brain in such a different way that it's actually going to tire them out more than when you, uh, just take them on their daily same route stroll. And another point of that is if you're worried about your dogs gaining weight because you can't walk them around, instead of using lots of treats, just use their meals for training. Just take their kibble, split it in half, and maybe put that other part in a puzzle toy or do a training session with them so that they're not getting a caloric overload. Yes, that is that is such a good tip. <laughs> We've been having to reduce Lupin's food a little bit because I was giving him like peanut butter lick mats and Kongs and stuff. And then I was like, Oh, wait, we should probably backtrack and and reduce your food a little bit or use the kibble a little bit more because I didn't want him gaining weight during this time. Only I'm allowed to do that. (laughs) Uh, With orthopedics, I'm sure you're very much aware of controlling a dog's healthy weight so that they don't, you know, negatively impact their hips and joints and everything like that as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially if they've had injuries before, um, or if they're prone to those types of injuries, I have to be very careful with Arthur's weight just because he's got really small legs and he can't, he can't be overweight. <laughs> so everyone's like, Oh, can I give him a treat? And I'm like, take that treat away from him unless it's a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, BFF Pet Services. I'm going to be teaching lots of workshops that you can just do right from your home. And they're really inexpensive and they're easy. You just you tune in and we can stream together and, and you can learn some things right from your home. We also do private consultations. So if you're like, I just want to work with somebody and let's get five tricks under our belt, 
and get started, um, we can do that as well, which is such a fun avenue. But I would say those are some great things to do if you're stuck, if you can't go to the park or you can't hike, and that's not an availability. We also do um, canine conditioning, which is strength building exercises from home as well. So you can kind of check us out as we start to leak out some of our newest online workshops. Yeah, that's such a good idea. I love that. The yeah. strength training. I think Lupin, he, because he's older, he definitely can lose his muscle tone a bit quicker. Um, and he's pretty just like naturally lean as well. So keeping his muscles strong is always like a really con- big concern for me. So I think that's such a good idea. Yes. And we're actually doing something called the Elevate Your Dog Summit, which is sponsored by Blue Nine, which do a product called the Climb. And it's actually a pedestal for your dog. And that pedestal is commonly used for tricks, conditioning, I mean, on and on. It's used for obedience, impulse control, et cetera. But this Elevate Your Dog Summit is on Facebook for the whole month of April. And I've been doing free content videos about tricks, conditioning, impulse control um, with some of like six top other trainers out there. And it's just free content for the whole month of April. So I would definitely check it out. And then on top of that, you can follow these trainers, follow us with BFF Pet Services and like continue your online training right from your home. Yeah, I think everyone's got a smart TV right now, which has a camera. You know, it's going to be really easy for people to connect with you and be able to have that space where you can do training and have someone look at it and say, actually, no, why don't you try this? That might be a bit easier. Um, So that's a really accessible, a really nice thing for people to have. Now we have kind of abundant amount of time on our hands. That's true. Yeah. What about when everyone eventually goes back to work? What can they do right now to make sure that their dogs aren't negatively impacted by by everyone going, you know, going back to work, the home being empty, back to a routine that they're no longer really familiar with? Um, Is there anything people can do kind of like right now to avoid like separation anxiety or something like that? I would say it is um, of your best interest and your dogs to, while you're home, schedule some, carve some time out in the day where you're, where you both are not together. And whether it's independent play for your dog, I want you to encourage that, whether that means you're giving them something to chew on or you give them a couple puzzle toys to work with. I want them to start to learn the satisfaction of independent play in another space. So not right at your feet, not where you're in the same room. Um, so I noticed that with my puppy would who's a under one year border collie. He's very, very much dependent on me for his stimulation. And so that there's a, there's a good and bad side to that. So what I tried to do is I would put a puzzle toy down with food and I'd leave the room and he would like abandon the puzzle toy and have to sit with me. Cause he's just like, where are you going? What are you doing? So it was, so what I did is I actually was like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to give you a Kong full of peanut butter and canned pumpkin and like, you know, uh, plain yogurt, you know, not, not high calorie load. And I'm going to put you in your crate for just about an hour and a half, you know, just giving you some independent time away from me in your own room, doing your own thing, make you, you know, just to, just to kind of push a little bit of independent time for himself because, because, you know, we're, we're home. We don't need to put him away. We're not going anywhere, but I think it's still important that you do decide to, um, carve out some time where they're doing their own thing. So I do puzzle toys for their meals more because I want to be able to maybe put the breakfast in a puzzle toy and leave the house eventually. And then they're like, okay, no big deal. This is my time to work with my puzzle toy. This is what I do. This is what's already part of the routine. So I think anything you can do right now to yes, work together. Yes. Learn and and do great things together and create that bond and further it. But also it's so important that they learn to have time to themselves by themselves um, away from you where they can independently stimulate their own mind for a little bit of time. And would you try to also have those, um, have those routines set in a similar time format of, as if you were going to work, like instead of feeding your dog, you know, whenever you get up saying, well, usually I'll feed them at seven and then I'm out the house by seven 30. Would you try and stick to that timeline? So they still, they're still like, Oh yeah, this is the time I wake up. This is the time I get breakfast mom and dad leave and I focus on my puzzle toy. Yeah, I think that's healthy. I think if you are 
really enjoying that I don't have to get up early. Mm -hmm. I think then you can certainly feed a little bit later for now, but I think that gradually getting back to a time frame that makes sense to you and your work schedule for them is something that's going to help alleviate that, especially if you know in advance when you are due to go back to work, that's a great time to start trying to get yourself back on schedule and get them back on schedule so that they, I mean, you have to understand when you're home, like even their potty schedule changes, like they don't have the the pressure to go potty first thing in the morning before you get out of the mm-hmm. house. So all of a sudden for work and they didn't really empty themselves all the way because they haven't had the pressure to do so. Maybe you have a doggy door. Um, if you really are going to have to help them adjust back to what that means to hold their potty and eat when you do put the foot down, food down and not 30 minutes later and, and all of those little changes that can cause a lot of stress for both you and the dog. So anything that you can do to gradually get them on top or keep them on it now is going to only help you in the end. It'll probably be helpful for people too. Just sticking to a routine is probably just healthy for the whole household you know, in general to kind of get us through this and for people's mental health and stuff like that. Um, to circle back with all the training that you do, can you speak a little bit more to how you can tire out dogs through the trick training, through the puzzles, rather than just a sprint around the park? Sure. So a, you know, the dog's biggest sense is their nose. And so, um, utilizing that behavior, especially with your puzzle toys that are all like seek and find treats or sniff out and roll things around or using dog or, or training, uh, tricks, which is all like using food reward to get certain behaviors. When you challenge their mind, you like, if I do five minutes of nose works, I, or even 10 minutes of nose works, I will lose. I, my dog will be more tired and, and sleep harder than if I take them on the trail and run them for 40 minutes. Um, it's, it's just because they are naturally engaging physically in their day, walking, looking around, running in the backyard, whatever it may be. When you challenge their mind in a way that has not been captivated before, or you spend maybe five, 10 minutes, a couple times a day doing training sessions, you're going to mentally satisfy them more, which is going to reduce some of those negative behaviors that you possibly may see, which is Maybe it's anxious behaviors. Maybe it's barking at the door. Maybe it's tearing up a sock or stealing something because they're mentally bored. Um, you satisfying that nature is you're going to get a lot more of a calm, level-headed dog, um, knowing that they have those sessions. And also, another thing is, I'm not asking you to train hours of day to your dog. I will do training sessions that are maybe only five, maybe ten minutes at a time, and then maybe I'll only do it twice a day. You know, maybe sometimes only once a day, but it's just little short sessions and those mini sessions are are invaluable to your dog. So keep it short, keep it positive, and you're going to go much farther with your training than trying to do a full hour of trip training. That's really good to know because, for, I mean, I'm obviously still working right now, still working 40 hours a week. And, you know, I don't always have the time to, you know, Arthur gets like at least 90 minutes of like physical exercise a day. Um, but it's good to know that you can replace some of those minutes just with something like so short, so quick, it's easy. Um, the dog enjoys it. Other loves being outside, but sometimes it's just not ideal for me. <laughs> so um, it's definitely good to know that you can kind of swap those out. Um, you know, at work, he usually gets like a little calm in the middle of the day, or he has like a little yak treat he can chew on. Um, but I can definitely like, if I've only given him like a, a little bit of attention throughout the day, I can just hear him in the office being like, mom, please, I need yes. something. <laughs> and so what I'll generally do with my dogs, I'll just let you guys know, cause everyone thinks I probably live through my like, why wow, you must train all the time. Your dogs are great. And they sometimes are great and sometimes they're not, but I, what I'll do is I'll, okay, breakfast, I'll feed them half and I'll take the other half and I'll do like spin and sit and give me your paw and sit pretty. And I'll work like in a little, little two foot by two foot space with my dog and just do some tricks and give them the rest of their food. And then there, I've got a five minute training session done. And then if I can't walk them outside, maybe I'll spend like 20 minutes, maybe 10 minutes each dog doing some of the canine conditioning stuff that we do with our dog, which is maybe utilizing the climb from blue nine pet products and doing like sit to stand, um, you know, pause down, pause back up, pause down, pause back up. And just doing like little physical activity for them on a climb 
And then maybe at dinner time, possibly, we'll just do, okay, I'll just break the food in half again and we'll just do a little bit of trick training and that's how they get their dinner. Um, so like just mini sessions throughout the day is going to be nice and engaging. And if you don't have time, what you're doing is great. Prep some puzzle toys, you know, ahead of time. So it, they're ready to go in your freezer. And whenever you need it, you can just pop it out, give it to them, and it's going to keep them busy for a while. I love to freeze Kongs because it really prolongs the, the time frame. Yeah, definitely. That frozen peanut butter can last a long time, especially like the first five times. And they're like, I don't understand why it's not going into my mouth. Why do I continue to lick it? And I don't get as much as I usually do. <laughs> Chrissy, this has been so amazing. I think we've gotten such good information for ourselves as well as all the listeners. Is there anything, any last words you'd like to say, any information you'd like to plug or people want to find you? Where can they go? Yes. I think the first thing I want to say is that it's been so wonderful to meet the both of you. And I think that you're going to be able to provide such a wonderful access point to people who just love their dog and just want to have that better bond and learn more about how they can do more with their dog. Um, so thank you for having me on. I, it's It's been great. And thank you for all of the great topics we talked about. I feel like we could just talk forever. Yes. Well, we'll <laughs> definitely have to have you on again in the future. Thank you. In the meantime, though, I'd love for you guys to please, please tune in. Uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. You can just look up Chrissy Joy and Good Beasley. You can also go to chrissyjoy.com and reach out to me there. And also, if you are interested in the Bonafide Talent Group, check it out on all of our social media platforms. And then uh, if you want to do some online learning, we would love to have you. So check out myBFFPetServices.com and we can get you signed up for some of our fun upcoming online workshops. Perfect. Perfect. Chrissy, it's been an absolute joy having you on. Um, I really appreciate all of the... Um, oh, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have loved hearing all about it. I can't wait to have you uh, back on the podcast to discuss everything a little bit more. And I can't wait to see Beasley's film this week. It's very exciting. Yes. That's so cool. I'm trying to get a watch party uh, for it. And um, and for now, you probably see him on the Chewy commercials because he's that dog that's constantly on that Chewy commercial. <laughs> um but yeah, no, we are so excited. If I can get some sort of Netflix watch party going or something, I will be sure to let you ladies know. Perfect. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, take care, Chrissy. Thank you so thank much. You. Bye. You can find us on Instagram at With a Dog Podcast. We have a great Facebook community called With a Dog Paparazzi. And if you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe, give us a five-star review, and share it with your friends and family. All content on With A Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer or behaviorist.